The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, February 26th, 2023, on the basis of Genesis 3, verses 1 through 15. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. I'm guessing it has been quite some time since you have had a crank on the inside of your car door that you grab and turn if you want to let in some fresh air. And yet you still say that you are going to roll down the window. I'm guessing it has been quite some time since your home has had this little holster hanging on the wall that's connected by a cord to this electronic device that you can use to talk to people who are not in the room, but I'm guessing that you still say when that conversation is over that you are going to hang up the phone. I'm guessing it has been quite some time since you have had one of those cassettes that has a couple of spools inside and some tape that plays either audio or video as it is wound from one spool on to the other, and yet I'm guessing that you still say that when you want to go backwards or you want to do something over again, that you are going to press rewind. There are a lot of words and expressions that we still use, even though their original sense, their original meaning, no longer applies. And yet I think that last one in particular is a little bit different. In fact, I think it has a, a little bit of magical power to it almost. It sort of shimmers and sparkles with promise. It's sort of like that undo function that you have on your computer. Sort of like that mulligan that you can purchase at your company's golf outing or that free turn or free spin card that you might have in a board game. It's one of those things that can actually satisfy, satisfy this instinct that all of us have that when something goes wrong, that when we mess up, the solution is to go back. The solution is to start over. The solution is to try again. In fact, that instinct inside of us is so strong that it can actually cause us to horribly misread and misunderstand the verses that are in front of us today. These verses from Genesis chapter 3. If the entire Bible were sort of like a, a cassette that you would put into your VCR or put into your Sony Walkman and press play, you would find that there are two chapters of pure fairy tale. 1,363 words in our English translation of absolute perfection. And then comes Genesis chapter 3. And all at once, in an instant, everything is ruined. And then what follows, those two perfect chapters, is 1,200 more chapters where everything is different. What follows those 1,363 words where everything is perfect are 725,000 more words where nothing is where life is exactly what you and I experience every single day, where the world is full of evil and tears and shame and suffering. And it sort of forces us to ask, why didn't God press rewind? 
Why didn't God go back? Why didn't he start over? Why didn't he give these first two people named Adam and Eve another chance? Or why didn't he give someone else a chance? And this is more than just idle speculation on our part. We are still tempted to think that in our own lives, when something goes wrong, when we mess up, that the greatest thing God could possibly do for us, the height of his love for us, would be that if he went back, if he allowed us to start over, if he gave us a second chance. But God didn't do that with Adam and Eve. And God doesn't do that with us. And that's not somehow worse. That's actually a whole lot better, believe it or not. In fact, it sounds a little bit strange to say that in that instant, when everything is ruined, the very best thing that God could possibly do is go forward rather than going back. And yet that's exactly what we're going to see as we look at these verses today. As we look at them, we will see how good it is that the instant everything goes wrong, God doesn't press rewind. So what went wrong? Well, God created those first two human beings, Adam and Eve, to be absolutely holy and perfect, yes, but the Bible tells us that they were also free. In other words, their love for God and their obedience to his command was willing. It wasn't forced or, co or coerced. But Adam and Eve also had an enemy, the devil. And he wanted them to doubt God's love. He wanted them to doubt God's word. He wanted them to think that God was withholding something from them and that he could offer them something even more, something even better. And they listened. They ate from that tree that God had said was off limits. And in that instant, everything was ruined. Not only were they no longer perfect, but they were no longer free. They were helpless against the devil's temptations. And not only was that true for them, it would be true of their children as well. It is true for you and me. The human race is no longer free. Instead, we are fallen. So what's God going to do? Okay, everybody back to their corners. Let's erase the scorecard. Let's ring the bell for round two, and let's see if this time Adam and Eve can get it right. No, God didn't say that the war between the devil and mankind was over, but God did say that Adam and Eve's role in that battle was done. When God appeared to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the very first declaration he made was actually a declaration of war aimed at the devil. God promised that one of Adam and Eve's offspring, an individual male descendant of theirs, was going to be a champion who would come into the world and battle the devil for us. And God said that he would crush the devil's head. He would destroy the devil completely. In that instant when everything is ruined, God moves forward rather than pressing rewind. Rather than making the human race once again free to see if they could battle the devil successfully this time, God promised to send from that fallen race a champion who would defeat the devil for all of us. As you can probably guess, that champion is our Savior, Jesus. And what that means is that you and I do not have to wish that we could somehow go back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2 
and once again live in that world where everything is a fairy tale. Sure, we can bemoan the fact that we really never even got our chance to step into the ring against the devil. Our battle against him was lost even before we were around. And yet even in our own individual lives, it is tempting for us to think that we can sort of go back and once again achieve this little glimpse of a fairy tale in specific aspects of our lives. So maybe there's a bad habit that we finally kick. And instead of this long record of falling again and again, we establish a new record where we are successful against that temptation. Maybe it's the start of a new romantic relationship where the other person puts you on an absolute pedestal. They think you can do no wrong, that you walk on water. Maybe it's a child who looks at their mom or their dad and thinks that they are their absolute hero, that they completely idolize them. And then you completely blow it. Something you do, something you say, and you ruin everything. And it sure is easy in that moment of guilt and shame to wish more than anything else that you could just go back, that you could take those words and put them back in your mouth, that you could take those tears and put them back in the other person's eyes, that you could unsee the thing that you saw or undo the thing that you did. But God doesn't press rewind. Instead, God does something even better than that. In Jesus, God secures for us a status that is completely secure. No matter whether we do something terrible today or not. In Jesus, we have a cure for all of our guilt and all of our shame whether we happen to put forth our best effort and be on our best behavior or not. If God would simply allow us to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil over and over again, then every single day would be another opportunity for us to completely blow it with just one single slip-up. But by moving forward instead of going back, Jesus has secured for us a forgiveness and a salvation that no quantity and no quality of sin can ever take from us. But that wasn't everything that was ruined in that instant that Adam and Eve sinned. In addition to bringing sort of this internal and spiritual problem into the world called sin, they also brought into the world a very external and physical problem. Along with sin came sin's curse. And God had plenty to say about that as well. After declaring war against the devil, God declared some of the specific details about what that curse would look like. The work that God had given to Adam intended to be a blessing to him would now be full of toil and frustration. The ground would not just produce abundant crops, but instead would also produce thorns and thistles. The wonderful privilege of bearing children that God had given to and created Eve with the capability of doing would now be accompanied by suffering and pain. The perfect relationship of love and submission that God had created the two of them to enjoy with one another would now be spoiled by strife and envy. And perhaps most of all, the life that God 
intended for them was going to be abrupt, abruptly cut short by death. The very dust from which God had formed them would be the dust to which they would return. Okay, so what's God going to do? I mean, the cat was out of the bag. The genie was out of the bottle. That long line of dominoes had started falling and they weren't going to be put up back again. But maybe we'd be tempted to think that God would at least try and sort of insulate or, or shelter them from the worst parts of that curse. Maybe he would build a wall around the Garden of Eden so that they could enjoy life inside and pre be protected from everything on the outside. Instead, God does just the opposite. He drives them from the garden. He sends them out into the very teeth of that curse and makes it impossible for them to try and escape it by coming back in. But before he did, God also made it very clear what he was going to do with that curse. When he talked about this champion, this descendant of Eve that he would, say, that he would send, he said, he will crush your head, devil, but you will strike his heel. So even this champion, even our Savior Jesus, was not immune from sin's curse. Rather than trying to avoid it or escape it, he actually picked it up and used it to accomplish our salvation. That very pain that would accompany women in childbearing would also be with the mother who eventually would give birth to him. Those thorns that grow up out of the ground would eventually be formed into a crown that would be pressed deep into his scalp. And that death that was an unintended end to the life God gave to Adam and Eve would eventually be the very thing that Jesus would use to bring endless life to the whole world. God went forward rather than pressing rewind. Instead of trying to preserve or recreate even a, a pale shadow of a perfect world, God instead utilized and embraced the curse that sin brought in order to undo it forever. Which once again means that you and I don't need to wish that we could go back to that fairy tale world of Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Again, we know full well that our world is going to be full of all kinds of suffering, but maybe we'd be tempted to think that if God really loves us and God is really on our side like we just sang about, then maybe he would sort of shelter us from the worst parts of sin's curse, that at least our lives would be a little bit more sunshine and rainbows while the worst of the storms fell on everyone else. But God doesn't press rewind. Instead, he does something far better. Jesus' life is proof that when things seem to be the worst, God is often doing his very best. Jesus' life is proof that God is actually blessing us when the worst parts of sin's curse are falling on us. If God did create sort of some, some semi-paradise uh, for us on earth, some semi-perfect garden where we could live, and that was the sign of his love for us, then we would have to wake up every single morning, look around at our circumstances, and judge on the basis of whether they are good or bad, whether God really loved us, whether God was really with us, whether God was really at work in our lives. But by moving forward with a world under sin's curse, Jesus has proven 
that even evil serves for our good. And in fact, even death can no longer harm us. Instead, it does for us the very thing we want most. It ushers us to Jesus' side in heaven. So God doesn't press rewind when things go bad. God doesn't click undo. God doesn't start over or ask us to try again. That requires from us the very same thing that it required of Adam and Eve. It requires trust. If as God moves forward, we are going to confidently go forward with him, we need to trust him. And thankfully, God has given us every reason in the world to know that we can trust him, and even more reason than him simply keeping all of the promises that he made to Adam and Eve, though he has certainly done that. You see, there's another way in which we can completely misunderstand these opening chapters of the Bible. We completely misread them if we think that God's words in these verses are a reply to Adam and Eve, or that God's actions in these verses are a reaction to the thing that they had done. As if God had created Adam and Eve to be both perfect and free, knowing that they had an enemy, and then after he created them, he sort of sat back up in heaven and crossed his fingers and said to himself, boy, I really hope this all turns out the way that I wanted it to. Oh no. Boy, that really backfired. What do I do now? Oh, I suppose I need to send Jesus. It's not how it works with God. God knew exactly how all of this was going to happen before the world even began. God saw the entire movie from start to finish, even before the very first scene had started. When God created trees in the first place, including that tree where everything was ruined, God already knew that another tree would one day be supporting the weight of his own son. God was able to see every ounce of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ in advance, just as clearly as we see it in the past. So how do you know that you can trust him? Yes, that he doesn't press rewind when things go bad. But also that, even though he knew from the very beginning how it all was going to turn out, all for you, he still pressed play. Amen.